Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Ladies, hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We are recording on Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I have a feeling this podcast will be aired on Friday the 13th. Put your triskaidekaphobia aside and give it a listen. I'm Jack Fowler. I'm the host, Victor Davis Hanson, the star and the namesake is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow with the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor writes, 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 writes. Columns, essays, books, everything he writes can be found at victorhanson.com. And if you're not subscribing, I've got to tell you something. I'll tell you about that later in the show. We've got, as ever, many things to talk about. And the first thing we're going to be discussing is this just disastrous economy that uh, Bidenomics has forced on the people of America. And we will get to that right after these important messages. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, 
Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. My friend, I am going to kick off this first question to you by just reading some headlines that are right now on the Drudge Report. Again, it's Tuesday the 10th when we're discussing. And, you know, up on the top left of the the northwest of the Drudge, he's got about seven or eight links here. Here they are. The bubble bursting. Consumer debt sets record. 40% Bitcoin investors underwater. Amazon has lost all of its gains from pandemic. Palantir plunge hits teal. Gas prices all-time high. Summer travel faces new hurdle, inflation. Biden may get worse. He always says that, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, I can't can't do anything. I'm warning you, COVID's coming. Yeah, it's so funny. Skipping meals, racking up debt, parents squeezed. Prices going up so fast, restaurants using stickers on menus. Again, Victor, today, link out, I was looking at the Bongino report. Biden is blaming uh, Putin's gas tax. Yes. I, you know, I, I traveled today and my, the guy, he was so early in the morning, I'm getting back not by plane, but by train. So I, anyway, I have a car service take me to the airport. And the guy says, you're not going to believe this. I, when I gassed up in the morning yesterday was $4 and nine cents a gallon. Wait, wait, are you complaining about that? No, no, I'm not, but this is, everything's relative. And when he gassed up six, in the $6 evening, here, 
but it, it was four thirty nine. Went up thirty cents in a day, in 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 ten hours. <laughs> this is insane. It's just insane. I had my diesel, my pride and joy. My first diesel, anything I've ever had is still parked. Jack, it's in my garage. It's I can't afford to drive that thing. It's got an Echo Diesel Ram engine in it. It's twenty nine, but it's seven dollars a gallon. And I'm kind of exaggerating. I drive it around, but not very much. And just sum it up this way: everything that we knew 15 months ago has been destroyed. That's what you meant when you said it. I don't think it was hyperbole. And now we're in new territory. And we're going to see things, Jack, that we've never seen before in the next five months. So everybody listening to this should hold on because this is not going to end well. There are remedies to stop hyperinflation. And that's what it is. When you look at building materials, when you look at food, when you look at fuel, when you look at shelter, the stuff of life, and you look how it's going up, not, it's doubling. And there's ways to stop it. And that's called tighten the money supply, cut spending, and raise interest rates. And, but nobody's an, a magician. And when they start to do that, there's some magical number that they have to stop before we get into a stagflationary reset. And they never do stop in time. And it gets really ugly. I lived through it and I saw, I saw 1982 raising prices at $1,420. A year later, they were $440. And two years later, they were not any better. And I saw a ditch tender blow his brains out. Not saw it, but killed himself. And I had a good friend I went to high school. He committed suicide by hanging carbon monoxide and drugs just to make sure it would happen. So there were, and he was wiped out for me. And so that, it, that's what we're going to look at. I'm not saying it's going to be that bad, but it's to stop this inflation monster. You're going to need a guy like Paul Volcker and you're going to need a president like Reagan. And they hated Reagan. People forget that they despised him in 81, 82. They hated the very sight of Volcker, but they would not budge and they broke the back of it. And we haven't had it since. And this guy went around and printed money and money and money and poured it around and incentivized people to stay home and did nothing about the chain disruptions and kept interest rates at an artificially, insanely low rate. And he welcomed this beast back into our home and it's going to devour us. So I'm not optimistic. I, I know that Drudge, I don't read Drudge right. anymore, but from what you said, it sounds pretty much on target everybody's lives are starting to change they really are uh, i keep right. you know talking about people working on this house but when they say hey victor i need a four inch coupling victor i need an elbow two inch plastic elbow victor can you go get me 50 feet of 12 2 romex victor i need a four by eight. i'll say i i'll do my best i'll do my best and I will pay whatever it is, but it's hard to find it. It's not there all the time. And shoplifting is at an all-time high. It's just, and when I walk out of a local Home Depot and I have, as I said, a, a spool of Romex, people come up and want to buy it from me. I'm lucky they don't hit me over the head and take it. So this is new, Jack. This is a new American experience. It really is. And we haven't quite... We haven't quite 
got into it yet. We're right at the threshold. We're looking in a room and it's dark in there. And we know we have to go through it to get to the other side. And we don't know what to do. We don't want to go in there, but we know we have to get through it. And so people don't know, well, should I go on vacation? So air f- flights are going up and, you know, going out to dinner is impossible. And, and should I hang on to my car for nine years or 10 years? That's the kind of questions where people are asking. I know yeah. people who tell me, I go to the market and I talk to everybody and they said, they just go by and look at the meat. I was at the market the other day and a guy said, I just want to look at it. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you want to look at it? Because I haven't been able to afford it in three months. I just like to look at it and remember what it was like to eat. <laughs> so. Well, you know, Victor, you and I, God's been kinder to us relatively than, than most, I'll assume. But the average American two-income family is making $60,000 a year on average. And when you have inflation of 10%, that's, that's $5,000 gone. That's a lot of freaking money. Be a lot of money to me and you too, you know. It's a, it's a lot but, of money um, for it's people a lot who of are money. living paycheck to paycheck. That's insane. And and this is this is brought to you strictly by Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. And just think um, how they live. Joe Biden and his big big seaside estate, purchased through his hard work in politics. And Hunter Biden down there in Malibu calling his dad about all the hard work that he created so he could live like a king in Malibu. And Nancy Pelosi and one of her walled estates commiserating from her, what, $20,000 refrigerator, about her $9 or $11 a pint ice cream. And Chuck Schumer, when he's not ranting about threatening Supreme Court justices, all these people have found politics, especially their spouses and family, very lucrative business. And they do not know what they have unleashed and the damage they've done to people. And how ironic that the person they hated, who they said he was selfish, he was in, mm-hmm. insensitive, Donald Trump toured the country and said, our farmers, our workers, are soldiers and he got inflation down and he got unemployment down. He got GDP up before COVID and boy, it gets me really angry. The damage they're doing to people. And I have, you know, I have children and I have relatives that are not, you know, they're not affluent, they're not wealthy. And so I try to help them and I'm not wealthy, but just, I think to my daughter with three children, disabled child, how does she go to the Costco and buy food for a family of five when they're living on a high school, you know, teacher and salary? It just drives me insane. I try to do what I can, but man, reminds me. But the thing is, Jack, it reminds me of the late 70s and early 80s. I was living in this house. I had three children. There were five of us. I made $6,500 a year farming. I had no health benefits and I was begging to get a part-time job to teach. There was nothing there. It was just inflation, 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 and then poor prices, stagflation. And then all of a sudden I got hired, hired in 84 to go teach one class. And I looked at North Fresno and it was booming under Reagan. It just ended. Mm -hmm. And then farming came back and but the toll was so vast, the people that I, I can remember them. And I can just remember, I can remember a guy coming over, a, a farmer, and I, he said, I can't afford staples, vineyard staples. Those are like nails, you know, you nail on the top of a stake for the wire to hold the wire down, just like electrical right. staples. 
And I said, I don't buy them either. And we had a whole, we, we had two big barrels that my grandfather had had since 1940. In other words, during the depression, they had to reuse them. They take out an old vineyard and then they'd hammer them straight again. And he just put them away and they were covered with dirt. And we got a clamp truck and brought them out of the deepest research. And we used the entire two barrels rather than we saved about $700. And that's what we would do all the time. We would try to figure out ways of not spending any money. When everybody tries to figure out ways of not spending any money, then the economy starts to shrink. With inflation, that's what we got to remember, with inflation. And so and then it, it blows up. So at some point, these prices that are going up, 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 housing, fuel, everything, at some point, the easy printed money of the last 15 months is gone. And then when it's gone, people are not buying. And when people are not buying, then people's businesses hurt and they start to lay off. And then when people lay off, there's less consumer demand. And finally, the inflation stops. But the inflation stops only when you've destroyed millions of people's lives. And you can't let it go on or you'll destroy even more. And this man who is president is entirely incapable of any empathy or any solution. One thing about we know about Biden, if I were to sum up, somebody said the other day to me, sum up Joe Biden. I said, he just doesn't care. He does not care. He doesn't care about the effect of gas prices on people, housing prices, food. He is a callous person. He always was. Absolutely. He always will be. He has no empathy for anybody. And that's look at Afghanistan. Mean, I mean, it's not he to could be care less. He was having ice cream and laughing about it and blaming people when people got blown up and are still stuck over there. And he didn't give a damn when some trucker uh, was driving all night long and finding out that he was paying seven dollars a gallon for his diesel. When he worked for five straight days, he ended up owing somebody three hundred dollars. He doesn't care. He never did care. This is all a joke. All he can do is yell and scream and cause dissension among people. He never cared. He had no empathy for anybody. And that's something that's just, that's just, you talk about empathy and you try to bring up something about people hurting. He gets angry. He tightens that reptilian face and he gets all angry and he starts shouting and accusing people. And He, he only plays the empathy card when it's to his advantage with his, you know, his dead son, you no, know, that's all he does. No, it's not just that. It's his whole family. And it's it's all about him and all the bad things that people did to him and how poor he was and how he suffered. And he doesn't treat people with respect. He doesn't treat people with empathy. He yells and screams at people. So does Kamel Harris. That's a, in general, Jack, to make a stereotype, and I don't mind making it in this case, people who love humanity in the abstract don't like humans in the concrete. Right. And right. that's a problem with the left. They feel that if they're cosmically right on certain issues, then they can be concretely wrong on the way that they treat other people. They never think, well, to have empathy, you have to, to, to think about somebody and put yourself in that person's place. If I have a guy working for me who is a painter and he has a kidney ailment, and I'm saying that guy is painting right now with a horrible kidney pain. And I've had three kidney stone operations and I'm looking at what the estimate he gave me and it was the most competitive, but he's doing a better job than other people and he's doing on dress. I've got to do something about that. 
because I wouldn't want to be in his shoes right now. And that means pay a little bit more over the estimate or try to, to, to do something to make up for the fact that this person is not doing well. And you have to have empathy. Otherwise, there's nothing there. And this, this administration does not have empathy. If it did have empathy, it would say, we are ruining people's lives on the border. These poor communities of mostly Mexican-American people are being destroyed. We're treating these very brave Border Patrol people like dirt. We're libeling them. We're calling them criminals, whippers of aliens, and we're lying about them. We have no empathy for them. If they had empathy, they would say, I do not want to put 10,000 people out of work at Keystone just because somebody in Menlo Park is going to be give me more money. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. If they had empathy, they would say, I'm not going to take this wonderful U.S. military and humiliate them on a national stage and turn over all of this hardware that people produced and give it to a bunch of ragtag terrorists. I'm not going to do it. Or if they had real empathy, they would say to themselves, I'm not going to allow these people to go in and push people off the subway or club them over the head or run up on stage and charge people or urinate in people's face. I'm not going to allow that again and again and again. I'm going to have a federal law, some type of federal law. I'm going to try to not allow federal funds for these district attorneys that won't. But he doesn't care. He does not care. He's happy he had any empathy, people. he'd have gone to the border himself. But I don't think he's done that once in his 50 years in public life, on the public debate. That's, that's the modern once. left, isn't it? It's Kamala Harris. I am a person of color. I am female. I am half black. I am one of the anointed, and I don't have to go to the border, and I don't care. And if I have all my staff, I can fire them all. They're all going to quit because I treat them like dirt. I don't care because I am cosmically correct on the issues, and I am one of the anointed gender, race, whatever it is. And you have to have empathy. That's a human quality that transcends everything else. That and courage, and he has neither. Empathy probably the thing that at least happens on a – on a private jet that's going to Davos. So, Victor, uh, people are exasperated. You have a new piece, a new essay up on American greatness called The Exasperated American, which is we've talked just now about many of the themes in this piece. Let me just read how it concludes, and then I want to tie it into something. They resent, they the people resent Biden's efforts to blame all these self-inflicted miseries on Donald Trump or the Putin price hikes or the inability of a presidency to do anything about supposedly organic forces beyond his purview. But behind the popular furor is a sense of impotence in the face of the untruth they are assaulted with day after day. In other words, bullied Americans are angry that people who control the nation's institutions deliberately mislead them and do so because they hate them. Let us hope that they channeled this historic exasperation in November in a manner we have never seen before in the modern era. So, Victor, you wrote this for American Greatness. I would encourage our listeners to visit American Greatness and find uh, this piece and other pieces you've written. It's also available on victorhanson.com. Victor, so this what we are expecting is this Democrat debacle in uh, November. I don't think we've talked about it. You may have with Sammy, but of course, Democrats are seeing the leak of the abortion draft opinion as their somewhat of a somewhat of a lifeboat or a lifeboat, abortion boat, uh, salvation, a political salvation for November. But I just have to think myself, 
and well, who cares what I think? I'm curious what you what you think. Today, uh, May 10th, a week or so after, or more after the release of these documents, I don't see the political trajectory changing for Democrats. I see it getting even worse as the numbers we've just discussed, uh, economic numbers get worse. That's my opinion. Do you feel the same way, Victor? No, I, I don't see them getting better at all. The only thing that I can't quite fathom is a loss and a historic loss because they are doing things and we talked about this crazy protester out in front of the church in New York or going to a Supreme Court justice's house or going to a Catholic church in L.A. and bursting in. They're going to do more of that. And they they don't get it. I guess they think that it worked in 2020 when they you know, inflicted $2 billion of damage and killed 35 people in these protests that it got rid of Trump and maybe they can create the same type of summer of 2022 chaos that will work. But I don't think so. So I don't think they're going to change. I don't think, I just don't know how, how great the losses are going to be and what the level of loss must be to stop this madness. I, I can see they need 50 or 60 seat loss in the house or they won't get the message. It would be nice if they lost the Senate and lost the 60% I mean, the Republicans got 60 seats. That's going to be almost impossible to do. But even if you did that, Jack, then you could pass legislation over a presidential veto. But I don't know how you'd stop the executive orders or the bureaucrat. Or how do you how do you right. stop the James Comeys and the James Clappers and the John Brennans and the Andrew McCabe's and Lois Lerner and the Anthony Fauci's and the Bruce Orr's and the Nellie Orr? How do you stop all that? Yeah, it's well. so it's so part of that left wing bureaucratic monstrosity we call the administrative state. It's just that's what people are so exasperated. So when I wrote that, I thought, OK, is there anybody now who believes that Christopher Steele was anything but a charlatan? The shink, all these sources, Dolan and the shink, all these people were fake. And they created this fake dossier, and then they use all of their insider contacts in the FBI and the CIA, and they spread it. And Obama knew exactly what was going on, and its sole purpose was destroy people's lives, like Carter Page and Papadopoulos, but then to destroy candidate Trump. And then we had this Mark Elias and Sussman, and they were basically lying when they said, you know, Hillary Clinton wasn't involved, and they got these techies to monitor communications of the president of the United States. I mean, this is racketeering. This is real conspiracy. Does anybody really believe that Hillary Clinton's going to be indicted for that? I don't. I have no trust whatsoever she's going to be indicted. Do I really believe Sussman will be convicted? Probably not. Do I ever think that James Clapper is going to have to pay a price for lying under oath to Congress when he said that we didn't, the NSA did not spy on American? No. So, I'm kind of cynical. I think people are exasperated. Do when somebody you read about in New York pushes an Asian American into a subway track or rape somebody or beat somebody up, and you read again and again and again, they're on their fifth, sixth, or seventh released arrest. Does anybody think there's going to be retribution? You ever think the DA is going to be reprimanded? I don't. That's the ideology. When the ideology infects a society, it says basically laws shall no longer be applied equally 
if right. at all, because at ideology all. is all that matters now. That's the new law. And the, the ideology is if you are woke, and this is a cloak for mediocrity, this is a cloak for lack of character, this is a cloak of crime. And once you've got the right ideology, you supersede society. Right. And that's what I think everybody's exasperated on. They don't think there's going to be a correction for any of this. And I think and that tomorrow, things are going to get Jack, much worse. Yeah, if they burst into worse. the doors of the Kavanaugh home tomorrow, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's going to say a word. Right. I don't. I don't yeah. think the left will care. If they, if Chuck Schumer says, you know, I didn't do it right the last time. I just said, if you sow the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind, and you you won't know what's going to hit you. Of course, he said, now I'm going to burst in with my mob. I don't think anybody care. I really don't. I don't think the FBI would go out. I don't see why the FBI. I mean, my God, it's against the law to go and threaten a judge by going outside his house, federal judge. I don't think the FBI is going to do anything. I don't think Merrick Garland is going to get an FBI investigation to see if this is a conspiracy to rouse people to go out and intimidate a federal judge. There are still school parents to be found out, Victor. Yeah, you've got to go find out a parent or you've got to, you know, you've got to go. Where is the Biden daughter diary? We've got to go. Maybe James O'Keefe has got it. Oh, oh, where is that laptop? We're a retrieval service for the wayward Biden family consortium. That's what the FBI has become. And I think people are exasperated. That's why I wrote that article. There doesn't seem to be. It's an insult to our collective intelligence, but there doesn't seem to be any corrective. There doesn't seem any remedy for it. We just get angrier and angrier. And then... We're told January 6th is an insurrection. Is that, that's who you people are. End of discussion. I saw Liz Cheney the other day, and I liked I've met her before. I, but my gosh, she is totally obsessed with January 6th. She mm-hmm. can't utter a word about all this violence, uh, about going after justice. She finally made a little peep about it. You know, let's let's not do that. I think Bill Crystal. We shouldn't go to people's homes, and so these people are so obsessed with Donald Trump, they can't criticize their new left wing benefactors and friends. It's amazing. They paid lip service to abortion, pro life stuff over the years, but their hatred for Trump has forced them left. Even on, on issues irrelevant of Trump. I, I don't know what historians are going to do with this when they look back at this movement when they see that thousands of influential conservatives and Republicans who raise money at the public trough and the private, you know, rubber chicken circuit, all of their lives were saying, we've got to support Israel. We've got to move the embassy over there. We've got to institutionalize the Golan Heights as part of Israeli soil. We've got to have something like moderate Arabs and what would become the Abrams Accord. We just got to do that. And we've got to finally allow the states to make the decision on abortion and we've got to we've got to have a closed border and they got everything they wanted with trump and the people he chose and they hated every minute of it and that raises that existential question were they just opportunists the whole time and they were just thinking you know what i'm the third in my family i didn't you know like in the, the english aristocracy i didn't go into politics or the military because i was the least talented. So they put me, no offense, in the clergy or something. But maybe it was, I had no other choice but to be sort of a Washington grifter. I never really believed it. Now I, I got a chance to get make more money from the left as a useful idiot. I don't know right. what it is, but it's, it's yeah. weird. 
It's weird and it's shameful. Oh, Victor, you mentioned Israel, and let's talk about some things anti-Semitic right after these important messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show, recording on May 10th, 2022. I'm Jack Fowler. If you're interested in what I do, well, I run the Center for Civil Society. We intend to strengthen civil society. That is what makes America exceptional. That's what you think. And if that floats your boat, visit us at centerforcivilsociety.com. I also write a weekly free email newsletter called Civil Thoughts. Sign up for it, civilthoughts.com. It gives a dozen or so recommended readings. I think you'll find it useful, likable, no, no risks. Hey, victorhanson.com. That's the mother load here. Visit it frequently, often, daily. Victor's always writing, 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 writing books, essays, syndicated columns. You'll find the links to practically everything at the website, but there's a lot of content that Victor writes that's exclusive to victorhanson.com, and you must subscribe in order to read that. You are doing yourself a disservice if you don't. $5, that's what it costs to stick your toe in the water. See if you like it. $5 a month or $50 for the year at victorhanson.com. Also a lot of links to his books, some of them which I heartily recommend. Consider Dad, you know, Father's Day coming up. The Second World Wars is a great, great gift. I've gotten it for people. Check that out. You'll find the link on the website. So, Victor, two things are related to Jews, American Jews. One is uh, this little side story, but the main story I want to talk about is the, the Holocaust Museum in New York canceling an event. But a strange story, un, actually an unsettling story popped up yesterday. There were a number of about 100 Orthodox Jews from America were going, I believe, to Hungary for some religious pilgrimage. They weren't all part of a group 
there were multiple, you know, folks from multiple groups going. They were taking Lufthansa. They had to change planes in Germany. Some weren't wearing masks. So Lufthansa said, uh, sorry, you're all, uh, <laughs> none of you can travel. All you Jews, <laughs> because this Jew over here and that Jew over there won't put on their masks. None of you Jews can travel. I just, I, I, I breath. No, it's not really breathtaking because I've read too many books like, that were so close to the surface of so many Europeans is a disdain still for Jews and for Israel. I mean, it's staggering. So anyway, that's one little side thing. Yeah, I, I didn't, lead. you know, I, I read that. I think was it in the then. New York Post. It, it's uh, been all over Daily Mail, other places. Yeah, yeah, what I didn't quite understand is that they didn't even make an excuse by saying, you don't have a mask, you don't have it. They just took all everybody who was Jewish, right? Whether they had Correct. a mask or not. Some of them, a couple of them had a mask on. I mean, Correct. And they, they made it a, a Jewish. Right. And yeah. I think it's, it's... Way to go, Lufthansa. <laughs> well, put it this way. You know, I wrote an article not too long about trickle-down racism. But when you have your elite and they say, 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 say things, and there's no consequences. And this is what the left always used to tell us. Words matter. Cornell West, words matter. But when you institutionalize anti-Semitism as anti-Israelism, and you have every member of the squad, whether it's the Benjamin's baby with the silly Omar or Tashid, what's her name? Rashid, and you have Presley and you have AOC with her weird map. And you have what I'm getting at is the functionaries of the woke democratic movement and the campus movement. And it's purely anti-Semitic. There was an article the other day about Harvard's Daily Crimson. I think Alan Dershowitz wrote it about just how anti-Semitic they are and their veiled hatred, not veiled, but their hatred of Israel is a mechanism to say we only hate Israel. We don't hate Jews. But that trickles down in the larger culture. And so Lutonsa feels that it's okay. You think they would do that with Muslims, with scarves? I don't. My gosh. If, if you had a whole plane full of scarves and people said, I'm sorry, that's not a nine, an N95 mask. We have to stop it. We're going to take you, get you all off the plane. I don't think so. I don't think they would do that. Yeah. So I think they feel and people, and you can see with the anti, anti-Asian and anti-Jewish hate crimes, which are disproportionately committed, let's be frank, by African-American males. They have a feeling that if you do that to particular Asian American or Jewish Orthodox person, there's not going to be any consequences. De Blasio went out, remember that, during the lockdowns and targeted Jewish communities in a way he right. didn't dare target other communities? I mean, yeah, he had the cops in, the, in schools on suspicion that there may be you know, a few people in there. It's just really... That's what people have to remember about human nature, that once the state legitimizes a a set of behaviors. There's people in the shadows and the woodwork, they come out and they take advantage of that. When you've sent the message that Israel is evil and Jews are sneaky and they're racist and they're anti-Islamic and whatever it is, then you fan that hatred and people come out and they, they make the necessary adjustments. That's why we have a lot of hate crimes against Jews. I've got a lot of hate crimes against Asian. And then the worst aspect about this is when confronted about this, 
leftists will not say a word. You look at the FBI crime statistics and it's broken down by hate crime victim and hate crime perpetrator. And you correlate that to the percentages in the population. And African-American males are about double and I'm being conservative of their percentages in the population committing hate crimes. And yet when you see these hate crimes reported, the subtext, if not the overt story, is it's some kind of white MAGA phenomenon, right. or like a ju- juicy Smollett fantasy. And that guy did more to cause racial turmoil by suggesting there was a bunch of white people in MAGA hats looking for African-Americans. And so what I'm getting at is that you know, words have consequences. And it's open game right now in particular groups because certain groups that perpetrate them themselves feel that their victim's facades protects them from any consequences. And it's not going to last. I mean, it's not sustainable. And, you know, the Clery Act, Jack, it's a federal law that was based on the death of a tragic death of a young girl whose family was outraged that crime statistics I'm not going to mention the details, but in this particular university environment were of such that they would not probably have put their daughter there had they known that. And yet that information was shielded from them by the university. And so the Clery Act says that the university has a obligation. Indeed, it's, it's illegal not to report the criminal activity in a circumference surrounding a university, i.e. there's a lot of young 18-year-old women especially, and they're very vulnerable, and that's known to the criminal class. And yet, so all of us for years would get the Cleary information. It went something like this, 20 catalytic converters stolen at Cal State University, uh, suspect seen running, description, long white man with shaggy hair, white complexion, thin, 6'1", or darkly complected uh, person with tattoo. That's what they did. That was what the law required, a description of suspect. Not now. You see them. I get them from two, three universities. They are things like student confronted nine o'clock out in front of the library, hit twice, bike stolen, suspect's description unknown or not sustainable or not uh, amplified, something like that. No. And what I'm getting at is that we have all of these people who don't comply with the law. And they always say in compliance with the Clery Act. No, it's not in compliance with the Clery Act. The information you gave about a violent act on a university crime is of no value to people unless they can be aware of that person. If you have a description that is still in the vicinity, they want to know that person's name. If you arrest them, they want the information. That's what the law was intended to do. And so you are not a platonic guardian who can say that you can pick and choose which element for your politically correct sense of self. And that's what's really scary is nationwide, we have DAs, judges who think, you know what? There's a lot of rewards to being woke and to virtue signal, and there's nothing but a downside in my career trajectory for following the law. So I'm not going to follow the law. Well, the president doesn't. and Our borders are meaningless. So uh, I don't understand that either. There's a federal law that says it's illegal to cross into the United States without permission. And you can call it a criminal or civic violation, I don't know, civilian, civic, whatever term you want to use, but it's against the law. 
And so if you are a law enforcement officer and you're told not to enforce it, what is that but sedition? We're getting back to this question, Jack. We talked about it before, the Old Testament or New Testament Republican. When they take over the House, maybe the Senate, are they going to turn the other cheek and say, you know what, we don't want to descend down to their level? Or we're going to impeach the SOB just like they did to Trump? And that'll be interesting to watch whether Mayorkas is impeached or not. Well, Victor, keeping on the Jewish theme here, and those are from the previous topic we just discussed, we have there's a troubling a troubling thing happened in New York recently. The uh, a Jewish museum, considered the Holocaust Museum, which has been a, used as a site for many events, apolitical events, political events. People like AOC or others have spoken there. But there was to be an event coming up uh, in June that was being sponsored by Tikva. And Tikva is a, is a very respected Jewish educational organization. We both know people who are very intimately involved with that. And actually, Elliot Abrams is now the, um, I believe Elliot's the chairman of their board. But because this Tikva event at the Jewish Museum was going to have as a speaker, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's done, I mean, I don't know what his anti-Semitic credentials are. He's been anything, he's just been a terrific friend of the Jewish community in Florida and to Israel, if that matters, but he has been. And the event has been now declined because of DeSantis's looming appearance. So, Vector, that's a big lead-in, but I want to say, I want to get your thoughts on that uh, right after we hear these important messages. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So Victor about to comment on this really troubling uh, cancellation by the Jewish Museum in New York of an event by Tikva. And just would like to direct our listeners to search the recent Wall Street Journal uh, op-ed about this by Elliot Abrams and Eric Cohen um, uh, regarding this cancellation. Victor, what are your thoughts? Well, DeSantis, he's not a uh, controversial guy in the sense that he's a, he's not a Donald Trump as far as trying to you know tweet or pick fights. 
So he's hated for one reason, and that is he adopts the Trump strategy, but he does so without the apparent controversies, and people are afraid of him. They're afraid of him because Florida works, that for all the criticism that was leveled at him during COVID, he didn't buckle down once when people tried to demonize him and destroy him during the Virginia elections and the whole critical way. He didn't back down. In fact, he doubled down. And so they fear him. They feel that he's a very dangerous person. The second thing is, this reminds me, I'll be very careful what I say. The American Jewish community is going through the same phenomena that the Greek American community did in the 1960s and 70s. Remember, Jack, in 1974, during the Cyprus issue, there was the so-called Greek lobby. You know, right. And it, the idea was that Henry Kissinger and the Republican administration at the time, the Ford administration, couldn't in real politic fashion say, you know what, Turkey's using this uh, Cyprus situation to invade and take over the island. And But they're a NATO country and they've got a lot bigger population than Greece and they're more strategically important. So therefore, we're either going to stay out of it and let Turks do what they have to do, even though it's killing people, or we're going to be overtly Turkish. And then there was, there was outrage in the House. There was about 10 of them, I think, that were Greek American. And the Greek American community went crazy and said they've killed thousands of innocent. They did. And they ruined cities like Nicosia and Belapais. And so beautiful places. I, I've been to some of the most beautiful places in the world. And so, but they were, they were there. And what happened to the Greek community is after the initial diaspora of the 1890s to the 1930s, they, like all other groups, intermarried, assimilated, integrate, fine. And so there is no Greek American lobby today. There are very prominent Greek Americans who feel very strongly about protecting Hellenic culture and relations with Greece, but and their numbers are not effective any longer as a particular voice. So our relation with Greece depends on principle, not people with firsthand knowledge of Greece as uh, expatriates. The same thing is happening with Israel and the Jewish community. We're so far removed, Jack, from the great influx of Jews in the late 19th century and early 20th century that were poor, oppressed, persecuted from Eastern Europe especially, and then because of the aftermath of the Holocaust and World War II. And so the American, and because of liberalism, the American Jewish community is assimilated, it's intermarried, and it's integrated. And so there are people who say they are Jewish, even if they say they're observant Jews, by classical definitions of Jews, by that is they're really worried about the interests of Israel, or they're interested in making sure there's not hate crimes against Israelis or Jews, they don't exist anymore in numbers sufficient to be a credible political lobbying force. And so when we say that the museum, by canceling DeSantis's this event sponsored by a Tikva foundation, well, I think they're saying to the Tikva foundation people, you're kind of weird. You're observant Jews and you're still... I mean, you're still in your conservative. I mean, we don't identify as Jews. We don't identify necessarily in the same way we used to, at least as Jews. And we're liberal. And we understand that anti-Semitism is on the left now, not the right. But we don't care. And so it's not just a, what I'm trying to get at, Jack. It's not just an infight among two Jewish organizations. 
It's one organization that represents deep-seated worries about the Jewish people and Jewish culture and likes people who, unlike New York, offer a fostering community for Jews, as DeSantis of Florida does, as opposed to Bill de Blasio's New York. Right, absolutely. But on the other hand, the other group believes that it is a very small but, but influential element within the progressive movement. And it doesn't really believe that Israel is unique or special or deserve. They feel it's more of a, you know, an albatross around their neck. They just feel, why should I as a Jew have to support Israel when everybody in my campus or everybody in my law firm, they all are for radical Palestinians. And it comes echoing the uh, timidity of the uh, Anti-Defamation League also. Yeah. So. These groups in name are still protectors of Israel and Jewish rights within the United States, but they're so they're so closely tied to the hard left of the United States Democratic Party, which is, I hate to say it, but it's getting very close to being an anti-Semitic party. And, you know, when you look at some of the things people have said in the Democratic Party about, I mean, it wasn't just people like Al Sharpton or Reverend Wright. Remember Reverend Wright said, I haven't seen uh, Obama lately because dim Jews won't let me see him. Jesse Jackson with Miami Town. I can't think of a major African-American politician who hasn't said something that was overtly uh, anti-Semitic. Jesse Jackson, Jaime Town, Al Sharpton, uh, dim, you know, the Jews were doing that. I'm going to put on your yarmulke and come over. Remember that Freddie's Market? are the squad members, some of them. So, and that's never, or Louis Farrakhan, of course, or those women's march people that were involved. And I just don't think there's any consequences to it. And I think everybody knows that. And so until there's consequences and it's socially unacceptable, no one's going to care. And right now it's socially acceptable to trash Israel and do so in anti-Semitic fashion. And one of the first things Joe Biden did was distance himself, A, from Israel, B, restore aid to radical Palestinians that had been cut off for neo-terrorist acts by Trump and associations, and C, reopen the Iran deal at any cost, which the whole purpose of the Iran deal was to let them have a nuclear-tipped missile after Obama was in office, uh, or maybe space it a little bit further so he couldn't be blamed, but to ensure that they would have one. And if we go back to that deal, Iran's dilemma is not getting the bomb. I mean, using the bomb, I should say. That's not the problem. They have no problem doing that. It's getting it and getting through the levels of international scrutiny. Once they get through, then that the easy thing is using it. You talk to an Iranian zealot, his 50 million, who cares? will be famous forever as the Persian Shia sect of uh, Islam that finally got rid of the Jewish state. This is great. We have no problem with that. The only problem is getting it. Think you know, about it. Do not it. see what Obama, what the logic is in this. The other logic thing. of Obama, Jack, was I don't like the Gulf sheikdoms. I don't like the monarchies in the Middle East. I want a revolution. And the Shia are my favorite oppressed group. So I want to stir up the Shia 
and say that I'm a community organizer and I'm worried about the Persians, the Iranians, the Hezbollah people, the Lebanese people, the Syria. Well, I'm going to create another block from Tehran to the sea, and it's going to be Hamas and Hezbollah and Syria and Lebanon and Iran, and it's going to be the revolutionary, authentic, genuine Arab community or Persian community or Muslim community, however we term it. And then I'm going to balance that off the sellout pro-American, pro-Western, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Israel. And there's going to create a tension and that'll be good. Ha, 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 Israel. Ha, 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 Saudi Arabia. That's how he thought. And he pulled it off. And then Trump came in and People criticized Jared Kushner, but the Abrams Accord were a brilliant achievement. They really were. It was all yep, set there. there. There was a blueprint how to get more and more Arab moderate nations on board and create a unified, different sort of Middle East. And uh, that's all over with now. Yeah, in a generation with really few examples of peacemaking, that was one, of course, the one that will never get a Nobel Prize. Not that that thing has much validity anymore. Well, Victor, that's about all the time we have today. Uh, we thank our listeners. Those, No matter what platform you listen on, we appreciate it. Those who do listen on the iTunes platform and leave ratings, especially five stars, thank you. We appreciate that. We read your comments. And we take them to heart. Here's one from MN68CA. It's called, titled, Diverse and Insightful. Although VDH's political analysis is always insightful, I especially enjoy his non-political discussions, such as remembrances of his childhood, review of favorite movies and books, ongoing repairs of his house. We'll be talking about that for a long time. And history, both ancient and 20th century. I would only ask for more of these diverse topics and other topics such as agriculture, VDH, breadth of knowledge, always amazes me. That's MN68CA. Thanks for that. Yeah, he echoes uh, what a lot of people have to say. Victor, in your totality, people are groupies. <laughs> All things Victor. Victor, the farmer. Victor, the classicist. Victor, the COVID whiner. Well, anyway, thanks, Victor, for sharing all your wonderful thoughts today. And well, thank you. Uh, thanks, folks, for listening. Right. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.